What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. In today's episode, we welcome Hugh Odom. He's a former AT&T attorney and the founder and president of Vertical Consultants a telecom consulting firm that has provided consulting advice for companies like Walmart, McDonald's, Disney, and governmental institutions. Hugh can share the evolving story of how the telecom industry has and will become more crucial based upon the COVID-19 pandemic and the new normal that will result after COVID-19 has run its course. As the founder and president of Vertical Consultants, Hugh wants to demystify not only what is being reported in the news, but what is going on behind the scenes inside companies like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. Hugh has been a resource in many newspapers, podcasts, radio shows, and blogs for years. All right, welcome back to the Richard Geek Podcast. Uh, today, we welcome Hugh Odom. He's a former AT&T attorney and the current founder and president of Vertical Consultants. Welcome to the show, Hugh. I appreciate it. We appreciate the opportunity to be part of your program. You know, today in this episode, we're going to talk about the state of kind of the wireless industry and, and what's going on. You know, I think a lot of our listeners that are in the tech business um, are, I don't know, I'm not going to say stuck to the phones right now, you know, but it, they use their cell phones probably as much as they do their uh, laptops. Um now, before we dive into some of the topics, tell us a little bit about Vertical Consultants. Well, our primary mission, we work with a lot of different property owners, from individual property owners all the way up to municipalities, universities, large corporations. We've done work with Walmart, McDonald's, uh, New York Housing Authority, et cetera. And we help in a lot of areas, but two basic areas. If a property owner has been engaged by a cell tower company or wireless carrier like AT&T, Verizon, to put something on their property. We help value that, negotiate and structure those agreements out. Uh, if they already have an existing agreement on their property, either a traditional cell tower or on top of the roof or other parts of their building or, or even a campus situation, we work with them to look at the value of that, hopefully renegotiate those agreements. Our, our average uh, increase in value over the last few years has been a 300 plus percent increase in immediate increase in revenue they're producing from those agreements, just because for the most part, those agreements are substantially undervalued right now, but also how they're structured going forward as well. So we work to try to make sure that the property owner gets the best value today, best value going forward, and also protect them from the things that if they don't understand exactly the nature of these agreements could have a negative impact on their overall property. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because it seems like, you know, if, if I could, 
whether I'm in Arizona right now, and it seems like whether I go north or south or, or a couple of different ones, it seems like I need three different types of cell phones, you know, maybe one from each carrier because, you know, I, I, I cross a certain line, all of a sudden AT&T doesn't work and Verizon works better. So, you know, I don't know if that's just the, a bandwidth problem or they need more towers. Um, and maybe it's a COVID-19 thing because I'm, I'm really starting to, to see it now. Um, is it a stability thing? Is it a infrastructure problem due to the COVID-19 surges? Um, and, you know, how about emergency services? You know, talk, I kind of threw a lot of things in there, but talk to us about, is it, is it an infrastructure problem? You know, what, especially during COVID? Well, it's a combination. The industry, the telecom industry is made up two basic parts. You have the technology portion, which everybody sees on TV, 5G and all these technology and all these apps and everything else that works on your phone. That's technology. The other part of it is the infrastructure. That's the cell towers, that's the antenna arrays on top of buildings, et cetera. And the technology part is try, always trying to catch up with more particularly Back years ago, when you first had a cell phone, it would be, we're out of, out of range. We didn't have enough range, so you're kind of getting out of range. There's plenty of range. The problem is that the data usage has increased so much over the years. It's just exponentially increased. And you think about that right now, and you have two issues. You need to get the equipment changed out. You need to upgrade the equipment. But also, to, when you're upgrading the equipment, you need additional infrastructure to put that equipment on the additional mm -hmm. equipment that handle that handle that that um, that uh, that 5G equipment. Let's just say, and the issue that we run into right now is that that already existed prior to COVID. When COVID hit, it just like you had a you had a flame and you threw some gasoline on it, and it just became it became so much worse because we had so many people more getting on the wireless infrastructure and wireless networks already existing because they were trying to do work on their businesses, handle business uh, situations where they're working out of their houses, telehealth issues, uh, educational issues, all these things are being handled and you're pumping, pumping so much data and you already didn't have enough infrastructure built out. So we're gonna have to build out a whole lot more. Right now, there are approximately about 500,000 cell sites, cell towers, et cetera, in the United States. For the 5G build out, this was prior to COVID, for the 5B, 5G build out to work, got to build up to another million so you're doubling what you already have so that people see 5g on tv there's no 5g really doesn't exist right now to this total capacity you can have 5g light light and so what was but what's happening is we're using data like we need we already have 5g in place so the problem is you have to get going moving faster and faster and so it's just not enough infrastructure and, and the technology hasn't been replaced as of yet either Okay, so it's it's a problem for both because I was always wondering, it's like, why are they worried about this five G thing? I, I just want to make a phone call, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's my age, you know, because I'm not gaming or I'm not, you know, right. um, you know, doing a lot of the data part. Um, but it seems it, it's so it's kind of like a compression, and so it's it's kind of where every day around a certain time period, I mean, it just goes. Is is that because there's just so many people in the pipeline at one time. Is that the issue? Yeah, well, yes. And I, and I feel your pain with regards to the phone situation because I, you know, I've been in this industry for 20 plus years and I walk in to get a phone and they show me all these different things it can do. And I say, how does it make a phone call? 
you know, that's the last thing they show you. So actually you have a small computer that, yeah, by the way, it makes a phone call every once in a while. So the issue, like you mentioned, is that they're trying to change all these different things in the, in the networking. And there's just so much data being used. And you're right, at certain portions of the day, just kind of like rush hour. You know, in the morning, you have a lot of people in a certain area. In the afternoon, you have a lot of people in a certain area. Same thing happens with regards to cell sites being hit with regards to usage. And, and the equipment more particularly being hit with usage and it doesn't have enough bandwidth to handle that. So what happens, everything slows down and that go, translates all the way down to your ability to make a phone call, to get a signal to call somebody down the road or across country. It does, that part of your phone, just like every other part of your phone, like downloading a movie, mm-hmm. gets impacted as well. Mm-hmm. Now, do the networks, you know, how do I want to phrase this? Do they have are they too late? Do they have the capability to maintain all of this, you know, the business and the personal requirements? And especially now, you know, now we have all the kids and everyone doing the 5G or, you know, all the data, but now we have tens of millions of people that are working from home that are doing their Zoom calls from their phone. Do they have that capability to maintain it or are, are they now just kind of rushing and, and trying to like, oh, my God, you know, we need to strengthen this now? Well, you know, they had plans in place to to build out the network even greater capacity than it already was. And COVID was unexpected for every for, by everybody. So as I mentioned before, this just ramped that up. It pushed up the timeline with trying to get this put into place. Now, your question, do they have the capability? Yes. The, the problem is. Do they have the capability if you're in Phoenix, Arizona? Yes. But if you're in uh, Tucson, maybe not, mm-hmm. because they're not going to focus on Tucson or Sedona or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're going to focus on areas that give them the highest re- return on investment by building other networks. So do they have the capability if you're in the right location. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, in a rural location or a lesser location for their particular uh, investment they're going to make, uh, it may be a while. We've done a lot of of, of studies on this and a lot of, and we've been on, on TV and radio, et cetera, about what's called the wireless divide and how certain areas of the country, if you're in a rural area, you get a, you know, you're lagging behind your ability to work, your ability to telehealth, your ability to educate your children is different from somebody maybe even 10 miles up the road who's in an urban area. And you have this kind of, you know, they call it, it's called the digital divide or the, I call it the wireless wall that you go past this point in this area and you're and you're and you're out of service. You can't you can't not only get service. You may be able to get, I should say, but it's so it's so diminished. You're you're it's like running a it's like running a race, and you're running on one leg versus two legs, and you can never gonna never gonna be able to keep up. So can it be done? Yes. The problem is where the focus is going to be over the next few years. Now, what kind of role do you think the federal government should take as far as? Uh, with these rural type of places, you know, cause I, I know that, you know, we have a place a half hour South of us. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Where we're at, it's, it's nothing. I can't do anything. You know, it, it's, it's zero. Should the federal government set up something like temporary uh, antennas, or I don't know what you call them, antennas or stations, uh, cell sites, or is it, or is it something that they should stay out of? 
Well, I think there's there's, there's some short-term and long-term solutions. And with regards to the short-term solutions, I think what you're referring to is kind of set up some uh, basically temporary kind of sites like you see in a hurricane or an earthquake or something like that, but more on a nationwide uh, mm-hmm. kind of scope because of what's happening right now with COVID. That's something that we are seeing to some extent by the wireless carriers themselves, but it needs to be spread out greater. On a bigger planning side, um, from the federal government, what I believe the two solutions are should be put in place is that one, either what you do with regards to the AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile's the world, you say, look, you can't, you can't discriminate based upon your highest return on investment. If we're going to sell you this bandwidth, the spectrum they sell to allow them to do certain things, to provide this service, that you have to, if you're going to build in, I'm, we're both located in Nashville, Tennessee, our home office here. If you're building in Nashville proper, you have to build in the surrounding area around there. And so you have to you have to spend money not only in the, in the urban area, but in the surrounding rural areas as well. That's, that's possible solution number one. Second possible solution is that what you do is if those companies, those larger carriers can't meet those requirements, you open up the gates where you allow small local and regional companies to build those networks for those areas. And you're seeing a lot of that, well, not a lot, but you're seeing some of that in certain rural areas where they're going in and building in their own networks around, around those areas to serve their community because they're, they believe that they're never going to get the attention of an ATT, Verizon, or T-Mobile to focus on them. It's very much like the if you think, if you go back in history, back in the 1940s and, and earlier, of certain areas of the country had a, a utility service, electric service, why he has in rural areas, it didn't have it. So the federal government had to step in, step in and say, hold on, you, we have to have a nationwide, you know, nationwide effort to get everybody served because we've, we've jumped into the mode by which a cell phone used to be a luxury. It is a utility. As you mentioned earlier, you know, besides air, water, and food, the one thing you rely upon most every day is communication, mm. either through a phone call, a text message, an email, or whatever. If I tell people, look, I will make you a bet. Everybody in your family either can stop eating or drinking something for the next three hours, or they can't do anything online, can't do anything on their phone. I promise you, it'd be tougher to not pick up that phone than rather not take a drink or, or to eat something, eat a snack during that period of time. So it's just, a, it's, become an, it's become a utility, much like any other, other utilities we rely upon. Yeah. And that's, you know, I never thought about it that way because it's seems like everyone has a cell phone now, mm-hmm. um, no matter what economic class you're in. Um, and because landlines are going out of style, that's sometimes the only way that you can dial 911, mm-hmm. um, get telemedicine type of help, uh, order things. And I mean, it, you know, especially during emergencies, you know, to start thinking about cell service as that that right, you know, that utility of, of almost, you know, uh, survival, you know, that's a kind of a, it's, it's in, interesting. I just, I always thought it was luxury. It's like, yeah, you know, because maybe I, I, well, there I was use a, it to call. <laughs> there was an interesting study, uh, Pew Research did a study that, that, under, I think it was $40,000. If you make under $40,000, you think a lot of rural areas, people mm-hmm. make lesser amounts per year that of that classification, 20% of those people rely solely upon cell phones for online service. 
So everything they're doing, they don't have a computer. They don't have access to a laptop. So they have to look at everything on their phone. That's kind of their, that's how their mode of communication, their mode of, of research and finding things from, you know, where a hospital may be, how do we go get food, et cetera, et cetera. So it is a situation by which that there needs to be a bigger plan to allow for this to happen. It not only serves people, but also it discriminates, puts a, puts a wall between businesses being able to compete if you're in an area that has a lesser availability to networking versus a, a one down the street, because you can't offer certain things that the other company can offer as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of changed my my idea of, of the whole thing. You know, I just, I haven't thought about it in that way. Um, by the time they get everything done as far as the 5G, you know, and I know that COVID-19 is probably um, expedited a lot of things as far as the immediate build out. What's next? You know, by the time they catch up with 5G, is there going to be 6G, you know, and, and all of a sudden they need 8G? You know, it's, is it going, a lot of technology just happens so fast. You know, are, are they always going to be in this catch up? Or are we going to have 5G for a while? Or is it going to be just keep going, you think? Well, I'll, I'll make two statements of that. 6G is already under, no. it's already being developed right now. Um, China is taking the lead a little bit on that. Um, with regards to testing. And so what usually happens, it takes about every 10 years you have an upgrade from 4G to 5G, et cetera. We started Vertical Consultants in 2010. When I was, before that, I was with AT&T for over a decade. And some of the last projects I, I worked on in 2009 and 10 was that in Alaska, uh, that they were starting to test 5G. Now that's 2010. Here we are in 2021. So the same thing is going to happen. Now, 6G, um, look, 5G, when it gets to totally build out, which probably be another four or five years, is really going to change a lot of the dynamics of how we have a, an economy, uh, how we educate, how we have our health. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Some good, maybe some not so good because it becomes depersonalized. But that's another story because you have, you're have you relying upon a network to have communication rather than face-to-face. But that's another story. But, but 6G just takes it to another level. It's almost sci-fi level with regards to how everybody's connected. The problem with 6G, the, the great thing of 6G is you'll have such accessibility and you'll have all these different things that provide you the network. The problem with 6G, in my humble opinion, is that basically everybody will be connected to everybody. And so you'll know everything going on. If you have a phone, it's basically a tracking device. That's what basically think of it. The way they're going to handle if you see like self-driving cars and everything mm -hmm. else, the only way they can handle that is know where everybody is, right? So they have to track everybody. You can't have the, all these things with regards to with regards to that technology unless you're tracking everybody where they are. They're going to have things, 6G technology is supposedly going to have the ability where it's going to be to some degree, think of you have a contact lens in your in your eye and you can, when you're walking past them, you'll see information about that person and you'll be tracking that. It's a lot of stuff that becomes a very sci-fi. If you start looking at some futuristic movies and you think, mm -hmm. well, that's just ridiculous. That's what this allows you to do. And the, the problem with it is it provides a lot of good things, but you have to make sure you control some of the bad things that could have can happen if you allow that that interconnection among everybody from privacy to control of situations as well. So, 
Yeah, you know, a couple sci-fi movies are coming to my mind, and I don't think any of them turned out really well, you know, <laughs> with, with that. So, uh, yeah, you know, you talk about the the Big Brother and all that sort of things. It's 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 with all well, technology, you can do good, but there's also people that will do bad. You know, it's well, there's a there's an old saying: there's a price for progress, and yeah. there's and and that's part of it. And you give you get a little, but you give up more, and that's where the balancing act comes into play with it. Yeah, you know, it's amazing because because I'm not in the industry. I just thought that difference between three G and five G and six G was just kind of like things would be just a little faster. But it's, you know, I guess I didn't really quite understand what that G, you know, what that, uh, it, it's, it's a whole technology craziness. That's it, it, Yes, I mean, it becomes a situation by which if you think about, if you think about, let's say, five years ago or 10 years ago, even back that far, not just the, you know, you were relying on a phone to make a phone call, but think of all the data that you transfer off your phone. Think of just the data, your personal information, where you're going, what you're, you know, typing in all this, it gets, it's all out there. So you think about that. You're not just making a phone call. It used to be, you know, the old, they're tapping my phone line. Somebody's listening to my phone line. Well, that's the least of your worries. <laughs> that's the least of your worries. I mean, you think about your emails are on there. Your, your passwords are on there. Your bank accounts are on there. I can go on and on. I don't want to scare people, but it's a situation by which it becomes, it becomes a, connection device for everybody which is good but it also becomes a, a hazard if you don't know how to control it as well so this is kind of like the big boom that's coming in you know like uh, you're saying it's kind of like the oil industry was 100 years ago i mean this is kind of like the the next well yeah we compare it that's one of the things when we work with our clients we try to get them to understand that we negotiate the agreements for those for our property owners, our clients to, or an AT&T or Verizon or other cell tower companies to use their property. And the comparison we make is what people are doing now, they're negotiating the wrong type of agreements out. Mm. Um, I use the comparison of the oil industry of a hundred years ago, because if you think about it, think about a hundred years ago, the oil companies come out to a property owner and say, look, I want to lease your land. Uh, I'll give you a certain amount of rent per month. Uh, I'll give you an escalator every year and I get to keep all the oil, right? And what eventually had to happen because we saw the the the, the uh, inequity in that arrangement because the property owners are getting a small portion of the value versus all the oil that's being produced out of that property. The same thing was the model was followed after the cell tower companies. They go out, they go to a property owner, they say, "Hey, I'm going to offer you a certain amount of rent, a certain escalator, and I'm going to get you to agree to a long-term agreement." Basically, they're fixing their cost, and they keep on getting more and more value out of these out of these sites. What you're entering into when you're in a cell tower agreement is a utility agreement. Even though you're leasing space, the value of that of that cell tower is based upon how much value is being produced. Just like an oil well isn't valued based upon other wells are getting in the area. They're based upon that one well, how much production, how much oil is getting out of there. So I always use the example for our clients when they're first talking to us and they say, how much rent should I be getting? How much rent? I say, don't worry about rent worry about the structure and the, 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 the rent is a derivative of that structure. I said, if I came out to you tomorrow, I said, I'm going to lease the same amount of space as the cell tower is going to use. Uh, I, and I was going to pay you double what the cell tower company is going to pay, but I'm from Exxon. I bet you the first question you would ask is how much oil you think you're going to be getting, right? 
So, because you want to be paid based on how much production they're getting from your from your property. It's the same thing with a cell tower company. What, what you need to think about is, hey, let's get it right today, but let's put a structure in place to make sure as it increases in value, as they get more value out of my property, I'm being pulled up as well. If not, you're going to be left behind. And that's what that's why all the cell tower companies have such huge, not just such revenues, but such profit margins, because they have a model by which they, they fix their costs and they keep on getting more and more revenue and their margins go up. So. That's very interesting. Um, hmm. Now, how about the, who, who was it just, uh, I don't know if the, it's probably not a monopoly, but I'm trying to think who just merged with Sprint and T-Mobile. Sprint and T-Mobile, correct. Um, how's that going to affect? Is that good? Well, it's good, good in the sense where Sprint, for the long term, wasn't going to make it, in our opinion. It was just the financial financials didn't work out for them long term. So it made sense in that, in that aspect. You go down from a, a four-carrier a four uh, industry, four major tier one carriers or some smaller carriers, mm-hmm. but um, to three. So, you again, you lose some price competition amongst the, 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 the carriers. What's going to happen, though, what I think is and what is happening already is – Dish Network, which most people think about in for satellite TV, Dish Network is, is stepping into the place of Sprint. They're starting to build out a network to provide telecommunication services, phone service, cell phone services. And so they're getting into it pretty heavily and pretty fast. Um, look, the bigger the, the bigger picture for all these companies is think about it. And I think we're both of the age we remember back the old Kodak camera. Right. And Kodak really didn't care about selling you the camera. They wanted to sell you the film. They made more money off the film. The, cell, the, the, the wireless carriers, they want to sell you the service, but what their bigger goal is today and more, more particularly moving forward, they want to be able to sell you the content. And so that's the big play here with regards to all this. So what's happening is now you have the three big carriers and what they've done, the AT&T, Verizons, and T-Mobile, if you think about it, they were originally telecom companies. So think of all those companies today. What do they got into? Content, media. They've got into to actually providing you content. AT&T's got into the media business. They own CNN. They own other companies, you know, with regards to provide you content. Same thing with Verizon. Same thing with T-Mobile. Dish is going about it backwards. They're in the, somewhat the content business, and now they're getting the telecommunications business. So these guys love that you buy their camera, kind of the analogy, but they want to sell you the film. They want to be able to sell you everything associated with that with that phone. So that's the so long. The long and short of it is that the merger had to happen. I think it's going it, to there'll be a gap that's filled by Dish Network. I don't know if it can be filled exactly, fill the spot Sprint was, but you're going to see these four companies keep on building out their services. But what they're going to build out their services for is not just to provide you service; it's to provide you content. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's. You know, it's just so interesting today. You know, we've learned. I was, I was thinking. It's like, yeah, okay, we're going to talk about some cell phone stuff and wireless stuff, and and it's like, wow, you know, I'm. It, it's this whole other aspect, and you know, now it makes me, you know, think about with our uh, listeners out there. You know, so basically, if if they have a cell tower lease already. They should give you a call. 
But then now I'm thinking about all of our investors that have apartment buildings or maybe hotels that, you know, they have land, they have different types of assets that they could start looking to see if, you know, should they contact the net, you know, the AT&T and Verizon, T-Mobile, those type of things to get, or should they call you first? Well, you know, what we would tell you in general is that you shouldn't go chase down an AT&T Verizon on your own because they're really, they're going to have a plan in place of where they want to build out. If I took all your properties and I went to AT&T and said, hey, we have these properties, they're going to say, okay, we're going to build our, our network around these properties. It's not going to work that way. It's kind of like a building out a railroad where the railroad's going to cross the land. It's not where the land is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to build the railroad that way. So, but what we're going to see, my, my opinion is, with regards to people who have existing sites, they're going to see a lot of modifications made on their properties, a lot of situations because of these upgrades. I mentioned earlier, it's 5G. That's going to give them some opportunity to renegotiate and increase the revenue they're currently getting off their existing agreements. With regards to property owners who, who are out there right now, you're going to see an uptick in possible engagements uh, to them with regards to putting something on their property. Uh, the one thing we can do is you know, you can't, we can kind of increase the odds a little bit and narrow the connection points between a property owner and the, um, and the carriers, uh, let's say, but we can't pick up the phone and say, Hey, T-Mobile, we've got this property. It's going to be happening in the next six months. It just didn't work that way. But, but there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there, but the big thing is understanding, you know, and that knock comes on your door, whether it be to renegotiate an existing lease or enter into a new one is understanding the big word isn't, you know, we, people ask us a lot of times, what's the market rent in this area? How much should I be getting? That's, we try to get people to just delete that word from their vocabulary when they're dealing with the cell tower lease. Understand the value of that one site, one, because that's how AT&T looks at it. That's how Verizon looks at it, et cetera. When they're looking at it, let's say if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, and they're looking at Phoenix, they don't say in this zip code inside of Phoenix, all our sites have the same value because then there's one little area. They say no. They look at them individually. The, we say to our, our clients, don't worry about what they're offering you. Understand what you're offering them. Because if I offer you $2, but it's worth $10 to me, you may leave with $2 in your pocket. But I like that deal every day, right? So that's where we try to get our property owners to think bigger. And some of the things we've talked about earlier, these are bigger things you need to think about because that's determining value. If you understand what their plan is, and you can understand how to capture some of that value on your side as well. Yeah. Okay. It's my mind is blown today. It's, it's <laughs> you know, uh, how can uh, you know to wrap up um, for those that have the cell top leases or in the future? How can people find you? Well, the easiest way is just to look at our website, which is CellTowerLeaseExperts.com. Again, that's CellTowerLeaseExperts.com. Look us up, contact us via email or in the contact forms, or we have phone numbers available on in our website, and give us a call. Sounds great. Well, Hugh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we hope you have a great evening. Thank you again for allowing us to be part of your program. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com 
slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.